For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Secrets of Biblical Hebrew. This is part four of the series. Next, we're going to look at the 14th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is the Hebrew letter Nun. And Nun represents a fish. This is explained in the book Messiah and his Hebrew alphabet by Dick Mills and David Michael on page 70. A fish was the primary first century symbol that was linked or associated with believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. Grant Luton explains this in his book in his own words on page 145. So, if you look at Psalm 145 in the Bible, in the Hebrew, it is written as an acrostic. Psalm 145 contains 21 verses. Now, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so, the style by which the psalm is written is verse 1 is written as an acrostic and the verse begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph. Verse 2 begins with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet and that is the Bet. Verse 3 starts with the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet which is the Gimel and so on. And so it goes through the Hebrew alphabet as an acrostic. However, when we come to the 14th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Nun, the Nun is missing in the sequence. The next thing we want to share you in the scriptures about the Nun is Numbers in chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, as this would appear in a Torah scroll that these verses look like they're separated from the other verses in bracketed. And so the bracket that encloses these two verses is the Hebrew letter Nun. This is explained by Grant Luton in the book in his own words on page 146. And so in these verses, we have two inverted Nuns. And the verses read, Whenever the ark sent out, Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, may your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee from before you. And whenever it came to rest, he said, Return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. And the rabbis, seeing how these two verses are, and they have inverted Nuns, to 
cause you to take notice of these two verses. The rabbis say that those two verses in the Torah have enough spiritual understanding and insight associated with them that they deserve to be a separate book of the Torah all by themselves. And this is in the Talmud in Shabbat 115 and 116. Now, Grant Luton explains in the book, in his own words on page 147, that the book of Numbers itself speaks mainly of the Israelites' journey through the wilderness. But Numbers chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, speaks of the ark's journey. Since Moses recognized that Israel would always have enemies who would take every opportunity to attack them, he began each leg of the journey with the plea that God would protect his people as they traveled to the land he had chosen for them. Whenever they paused in their journey, he would ask the Lord to reside in their midst in such a way that the countless thousands would experience his presence. And so in a synagogue, in a Torah service, at the moment that the scroll is removed from the ark, the verse, rise up, O Lord, may your enemies be scattered, may your foes flee before you, is recited. And then the Torah scroll is lovingly carried around the synagogue so that all may be able to honor it by touching it with the fringes of their prayer shawls. The scroll is then unrolled and the weekly Torah portion is read aloud by individuals who are called upon from the congregation. And at the conclusion of the reading, the rabbi raises the scroll and turns his back to the congregation so that the words of the Torah scroll are visible to all. While held aloft, the following Hebrew blessing is chanted, that it is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and happy are those who support it. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of its paths are peace. Turn us, Lord, to you, and let us return. Renew us as in the days of old. The Torah scroll is then rolled up and once again paraded around the synagogue amidst singing and chanting. And when the scroll reaches the ark, its final destination, then Numbers chapter 10 verse 36 is quoted. Return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. So this is explained by Grant Luton in the book, in his own words, on pages 149 and one hundred 50. So this is an example of the importance of the 14th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Hebrew letter Nun in the scriptures. Next, we're going to get to the 15th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that's the Hebrew letter Samek. And as explained in Messiah and his Hebrew alphabet by Dick Mills and David Michael, Samek means a prop, support, or lean upon. And in Grant Luton's book, in his own words, on page 160, he explains that Semek's name appears in the Torah in its root form, most often in accounts describing the priests laying hands on the head of a sacrificial animal. The placing of a priest's hands on the sacrifice is phrased, Vasemak Yado, and he placed his hands. And what is understood is that the priest leaned his weight upon it. So now we are going to go to the 16th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that's the Hebrew letter ayin, which means or 
It's associated or represents an eye. This is explained in the book Messiah and his Hebrew alphabet by Dick Mills and David Michael on page 90. So ayin represents or it's an associated with an eye. And so now we're going to go to the 17th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that's the Hebrew letter Pei. And Pei in Hebrew means or represents a mouth. This is explained by Messiah in his Hebrew alphabet by Dick Mills and David Michael on page 97. Continuing on here, Pei has two forms and it has a closed form and an open form. The closed form is used at the beginning and the middle of Hebrew words while at the end of the word, its open form is used. And this is explained by Grant Luton in the book In His Own Words on page 174. So next, we are going to go to the 18th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is the Hebrew letter Zadi. And Zadi means righteousness, and this is explained in the inner meaning of Hebrew letters on page 257. So, Zadik is an alternative form of Zadi. Zadik means one who is righteous, right, righteous, just, innocent, honest, upright, pious, or correct. And that's going to allow us to go to the 19th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is the kof. And kof in Hebrew is associated or means monkey or ape. And this is explained in the inner meaning of the Hebrew letters on page 269. And kuf means back of the head. And this is explained in the book Hebrew Word Pictures by Frank Seekins. So then we are now going to go to the 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is the resh. And resh represents something that is head chief and also is associated with poverty. As explained in the inner meaning of Hebrew letters on page 283, the 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the letter resh, spelled resh, and it means poverty, and it also means head, chief, or principal. And so rosh is the Hebrew word that means head. So we have a resh, and it's associated with the Hebrew word rosh, which means head. And rosh is the Hebrew word that means poor, poverty, or a beggar. This is explained in the book, The Inner Meaning of Hebrew Letters, on page 292. And so Rash represents something that is chief or the head. And this is explained by Grant Luton in the book In His Own Words on page 201. So Rash is equated with Rosh, which in Hebrew means head. And Rash has several definitions. It means head, chief, master, prince, leader, commander, but also it means poverty. And so the spiritual meaning that we can glean or draw from this is if we allow ourselves to be ruled by the head, making it our master or leader, then we will suffer spiritual poverty. But Yeshua also explained in Matthew in chapter 26, 
that the greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all. So one that's the head is the one that humbled himself and made himself low. So we can also explain it that way. Next is the 21st letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's the Hebrew letter Sheen. And it has two forms. And one is when we have the dot at the right side of the letter. And when the dot's on the right side, then we pronounce it as shin. And if it's on the left side, we pronounce it as seen or sin. So sheen also means a tooth, as explained in Hebrew word pictures by Frank Seekins on page 92. Next, I want to explain to you something that is very interesting. In 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 4, it is written, And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. So if you would look at an aerial photograph of Jerusalem, Jerusalem is shaped like the Hebrew letter Shin. So in looking at an aerial photograph of Jerusalem, on the right would be the Kidron Valley. And then we have going through the middle is the Tyropian Valley. And to the left is the Hinon Valley. And so if you would draw in these valleys, it forms the shape of the Hebrew letter Shin. Now, a mezuzah, which is what you would put on your doorpost to invite or represent the presence of the God of Israel in your house, that the Hebrew letter Shin appears on a mezuzah. And usually the Hebrew letter Shin is large or enlarged. This is explained by Grant Luton in the book in his own words on page 210. Usually written on a mezuzah is the Hebrew word Shaddai. And Shaddai represents the protection of the God of Israel. It comes from Shomer, which means to guard and protect. And also Shaddai represents God's provision. So he guards, he protects the house, and he's the provider of the house. So now we're going to get to the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that's the Hebrew letter Tav. As explained in the inner meaning of Hebrew letters on page 309, Tav means a mark, sign, or cross. And then this is also explained by Grant Luton in the book, in his own words, on page 55. And so Grant Luton explains in his book, in his own words, on page 234, that in the scriptures, in the book of Ezekiel, when a mark was to be put on the forehead of people, that this mark was the Hebrew letter Kav. So Grant Luton explains, Kav's name is the root of Tiva, which means to make a mark or sign upon. According to the rabbis in the Talmud, at the destruction of the temple by the Romans, God ordered Gabriel to put the letter Tav on the foreheads of each citizen. And it says, slaughter old men, young men and maidens, women and children, but do not touch anyone who has the mark or has the Tav. So the phrase the mark is Chatav or the Tav. 
Now, Grant Luton explains in the book, in his own words, on page 230, that in a place of public execution where crucifixions were commonly practiced as at Golgotha, a more permanent arrangement would have been constructed for the convenience of the executioner. The victim carried only the horizontal crossbeam on his shoulders to the place of execution. Once there, his hands were nailed to the crossbeam, and then the crossbeam, with the victim nailed to it, was hauled into position and hung on hooks, which were pre-fastened into two vertical posts. This arrangement looked nearly identical to the Hebrew letter Tav. Now, Grant Luton explains in the book, in his own words, on page 231, that the principle of the cross is illustrated in powerful ways by Hebrew letters. The Bible tells us that God made Yeshua, who knew no sin, to be made sin for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The Hebrew word for sin, chata, that if we fasten sin to the cross, the tav, we have the word hatat, which means sin offering. So we have the Hebrew word for sin, chatah, and then add the tav to it, chatat, and it means a sin offering. So that's going to conclude our study on learning the Hebrew alphabet, and in doing so, seeing unique spiritual truths that are contained within the Hebrew scriptures. Next, we are going to give you many examples of how the Hebrew language is going to help you to have a deeper and richer understanding of the scriptures and how it's going to help to give you unique insights of the Bible. And so to begin with, we are going to look at Matthew in chapter 5 and verse 18, where it is written, Yeshua said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the Torah till all be fulfilled. And from the book, Understanding the Difficult Words of Jesus by David Biven and Roy Blizzard Jr. on page 155. They have the following commentary regarding this verse. Never imagine for a moment, Yeshua says, that I intend to do away with the law by misinterpreting it. My intent is not to weaken or do away with the Torah, but to properly interpret God's written word. I aim to establish it, that is to make it more lasting. I would never invalidate the Torah by effectively removing something from it through misinterpretation. Heaven and earth would soon disappear than something from the Torah. And furthermore, not the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, that is the jot or the yod, nor even its in the decorations on the Hebrew letters, the decorative spurs will even disappear from the Torah. And so we're going to see that as the King James translates this verse as one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the Torah till all be fulfilled, we're going to see that the jot is a reference to the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. That's the 10th letter. That is the yod. In the tittle are the decorations that are put on the Hebrew letters in a 
Hebrew Torah scroll. And so in the book, this is the Torah on page 101 by Alfred Kolach. The question is asked, why are some letters of the Torah scroll embellished? The embellishments used by the scribes to decorate the letters in the Torah are called tagin. And these embellishments are referred to in the Talmud as ketarim or singular ketar. Ketarim means crowns. And the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5 verse 18, as we just quoted, refers to them as tittles. And now from page 102 of the book, This is the Torah, by Alfred Kolach, he explains that the seven Hebrew letters that are most commonly decorated with tagin or tittles. Seven of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet are decorated in the Torah scroll with tagin or tittles. These are the letters shin, ayin, tet, nun, zayin, gimel, and zadi. Next, we're going to look at the Hebrew language to get an insight regarding what is truth. And this comes from the book by Grant Luton in his own words on pages 77 and 78. The Hebrew word for truth is amet, and it is spelled using the first, middle, and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so this communicates to us the Biblical truth, that truth itself, is everything from the beginning to the end, including that which is in the middle. Next, we're going to look at the first in the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The first letter is Aleph. The last letter is Tav. And so when in English we refer to our letters of language, we say it's the Alpha. Bet. And it comes from the Hebrew in the first two letters of Aleph and Bet. So from Aleph and Bet, we get alphabet. And so when you speak of the Hebrew letters from first to last, it's everything from Aleph to Tav. So Aleph Tav itself represents completion and perfection. And this is explained in the Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet by Rabbi Monk on page 34. Now, if we look at Deuteronomy in chapter 11 and verses 26 and 28, it is written, Behold, I've set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Verse 28. A curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. So, in the Torah scroll, in the Hebrew, where we have the blessing, we have their Aleph and Tav. So, regarding the blessing, Aleph and Tav is used. Regarding the curse, Aleph and Tav is omitted. So, Aleph and Tav is the blessing. Now, Aleph Tav, which in the Hebrew grammar is going to indicate what is the direct object that 
There are seven Hebrew words in the first verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In English, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But in Hebrew, it's Breshit, bara Elohim, et Hashemayim, va'et ha'aretz. So if we take the seven Hebrew words... Well, that's going to conclude part four of the series on the subject, Secrets of Biblical Hebrew. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.